It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning, Elevate Church. Long weekend here in WA, and y'all chose to be here. Well played. That's a pro move right there. Hey, uh, first Sunday of the month, and we like to celebrate with our podcast peeps from around the world and uh, give a little bit of a, a little bit of a look into who made the top 10 uh, for the last month. So in May, we had a new entrant into the top 10, debuting at number five, and that is the people from the country of Estonia. Hello. Anyone here been to Estonia? From Estonia? Heard of Estonia? If you've watched the Eurovision Song Contest, of course you have. Um, and uh, a new, uh, well, top three, new top three, uh, not new entrance to our top ten. Australia bumped to number two. Uh, in number three is uh, the country of people from Nepal. And uh, number one, India. Now, last month, um, we actually had 10 times our, in the month, our average monthly downloads. So God's doing something and taking our messages and uh, using technology and it's gone bonkers. And we love that, uh, especially and praying for India and Nepal. You know, the news is still coming through that those two countries are uh, you know, deep into uh, uh, struggling with the pandemic. So, you know, we hope that our messages you know, offer some comfort and some... Uh, assurance in that time as well. This is, as Jared said, the third and final week of a series we've called Keep the Change. And it's our, every year we teach a series very intentionally on money and stuff. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. One of which is if we can get our lives and the way we manage money and stuff lined up with what God says and how He says to manage money and stuff, it is literally a game changer. It'll change your world. It'll change the next generation that you won't be settling them with unhealthy relationships with money, settling them with, with debt and so on. You will, you will find yourself moving into a place of financial freedom where you're not buried under consumer debt. You'll find yourself, as a result of that, being actually in charge of the money and in charge of where to spend it, where to send it. And everything changes. And so this has actually been a short series. We encouraged people to go back and listen to last year's uh, If Money Talked series and every year before that. The, the first week of this series, we talked about God's top five principles for managing money and stuff. We called it How to Control Your Money. And uh, the title's a little bit misleading. I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, but this is kind of the top five of which each of these five things that we taught in week one could be a message in and of itself. Um, then the, the second week, last week, we looked at uh, some lies that our culture teaches us about money, things that the danger is if we've grown up in Western cultures or in aspirational cultures, some of these lies seem normal. They seem like just how it is. And yet the things we taught about are pretty much a kind of opposite of what God says about us and about money and about stuff. So I encourage you to go back and watch and listen to either of those. 
What I want to do today to land this series is actually uh, go back to one of the stories we drilled into last week, something that Jesus taught, and I want to drill a bit deeper into that. So if you've got your Bible app or your Bible with your torch on your smartphone, then turn to Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read this from the New International Version. So this is Jesus teaching. He had a, group, a crowd around him, pretty common, pretty popular guy. And he said to them, watch out, be on your guard. This is like, warning people, listen up. And then when Jesus says that, our response needs to be, oh, what do we need to be watching out for? What do we need to be on our guard for? Well, he tells us straight away, against all kinds of greed, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man thought to himself, hmm, what should I do? This is rich people's problems. Too much stuff. I got no place to store my crops. And then he said to himself, huh, <laughs> light bulb moment. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. <clears throat> but God said to him, you fool. And by the way, when God calls you a fool, this is like the Bible four-letter word, F-bomb. It's like about as strong a uh, smack on the wrist as God actually serves up. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, Jesus called this guy a rich man. or rich. He's a farmer, so we don't relate to that necessarily. We're city slickers. Um, and it was 2,000 years ago. So, you know, what, what was rich then? What's rich now? Well, let me, let me just have a little bit of a play with what is rich now. Did you know? that globally in the last 12 months, the total accumulated wealth of the top 1% richest people on the planet combined is worth more than the bottom 50% combined. Staggering, right? And here's the thing. When we hear a stat like that, one takeaway is we can sit there and go, well, I'm obviously not rich. I mean, last I checked my bank account, I don't think I made that top 1%. I wasn't trackside at Monaco on my treadmill on my yacht with my helicopter in the back. So obviously I'm not rich. Well, you might not be in the top 1%, but if in the last 24 hours you walked up to a tap and you pulled the lever and automatically water started running out, then I got news for you. You're rich. If the worst contaminant in that magical running water was chlorine, then you're rich. If you have both a fridge and some sort of pantry and have more than three edible, not expired items in said fridge and pantry, then guess what? You're rich. 
If you've recently stood in front of said fridge or pantry with the doors open and been a little bit flummoxed because you had choices and you thought to yourself, hmm, what should I eat? Then you're rich. If you've ever had a similar issue standing in front of your closet and thought to yourself, huh, wonder what I'm going to wear today, then you're rich. And Jesus didn't call this guy out and throw him under the bus for being rich. Come back to that. But it's easy to dunk on this guy because we read the story and we see how it ended. You know, if we didn't know how it ended and all we saw the guy was building bigger barns, we might have just applauded him. He's on Fortune magazine. He's Times Man of the Year. He makes the top 100 rich list. And we go, wow, that's incredible. Uh, but we read the whole story and we think, well, yeah, I'm with you, Jesus. What an idiot. So we dunk on him. But I've said this before, it's important to remember that actually you and I potentially have more in common with this rich farmer than you might first realize. So let me run a, a quick quiz. Three choices. Select any that apply. I have clothes in my closet that I have not worn in over 12 months. I have appliances in my kitchen that I have not used in over 12 months. I have boxes of items stored in my garage and I'm not even sure what's in them. If you checked any or all of these boxes, then actually you have more in common with this guy than you thought because you have more than enough. So as I said, God didn't throw this guy under the bus for being rich. He threw him under the bus for not being rich towards God. And so this is how I want to land this series. What does it look like to be rich towards God? How do we be rich towards God? And really, from my point of view, the jump off point is to understand that we are the manager of what God entrusts to us and not the owner. And if we get that perspective clear, it literally changes everything. Because the job of a manager is to align their priorities with the owner's priorities. Is to say to the owner, okay, I'm kind of humbled that you put me in charge of this. And in order to do a good job, in order to, to manage your stuff well, can you just tell me what are your objectives? What is it you want to achieve? And then I'll get about, I'll get busy realizing your objectives. I'll get busy managing your stuff in order to achieve your objectives. And if that's the case for us, then we say to God, God, how do you want me to manage your stuff, the stuff that you've entrusted to me? Because if we don't, if we think we're the owner, which is actually a lot of how our culture plays the thing about money and stuff, it's yours. Uh, we'll live, we'll operate in what I call live, save, optional, and if you do, it's all for you, and give very optional. Live, save, give. That's the pattern that you would operate if you thought you were the manager. Live, it's first about me. I'll spend it on me. I'll, I'll put myself at the front of the queue. And if there's a bit left, I'll save that, but that's going to be for me and about me. And then maybe, again, occasionally I'll make myself feel a little bit better, think I'm generous and, and give. But if you consider yourself as being the manager and not the owner, then this pattern flips 180 degrees. 
that God would call us to give, save, and live. Actually put ourselves at the end of the queue, but not in a bad way, because when we give, we experience incredible joy that you don't get from anything else. When we save, it's, a pro it's proof that we've got more than enough that we're not actually uh, consumed with debt and we've got some surplus. And then live. Sure, great. Knock yourself out. Buy an Audi. I don't care. Let me, and this giving, let me show you or take you to one of the marquee places that God talks about what this giving component or this giving piece looks like. Now, it's found in a book of the old part of the Bible called Malachi. Some of you veterans go, oh, here we go. I know this one. Good. Listen up anyway. In Malachi, in chapter 3, uh, now Malachi was a prophet. So whilst this was Malachi speaking, it was actually God speaking through him to the people. And this is what God said, bring your full tithe to the temple treasury. So that's the sort of the old uh, equivalent of the church today. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there'll be ample provisions in my temple. This is good giving is how God wants his church and his kingdom to be resourced, not bake sales and raffle tickets. Test me in this. And see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Well, that second part sounds pretty good. I'm happy to have some blessings beyond my wildest dreams because I've had some pretty wild dreams. And it's like, yeah, that's the blessing. Uh, but first it's the condition that's the promise but first there's the expectation now i've underlined a few things here number one god didn't say give your full tithe he said bring and the reason he says bring is because it's his you you don't give someone something that already belongs to them you just return it thanks for this i'm bringing it back to you well about time you know if you borrow someone's lawnmower you don't roll back in the next weekend and say, I'm giving you the lawnmower. They're like, giving it to me? It's flipping mine, mate. You're just bringing it. So this is just in the language that God used. It's a, it's a recognition that it's his. Now, the full tithe, first of all, just uh, Bible College uh, 101, tithe means first 10%. So it's this idea of the income that, that comes into our world that God entrusts us with, the 100% that we actually return the first 10% to his, that it's actually his, and we, we bring it to him. And he does say the full tithe, the full 10%. And if you are not there yet, then that can sound like just at face value, a pretty big ask. And I get it. And some of you have been in that place, and, and you, your faith is growing. But look, we say this regularly. God's pattern of giving, as best as we can define it, is that the first 10% is both a goal and a minimum. So first of all, that it's a goal. In other words, if you're at 0%, just take a baby step. Just, just, just go 1%. And God says this. He says, test me in this. Do you know elsewhere, and Jesus himself said it, do not put the Lord your God to the test ever except this one. This one, we get a free kick. This one, we get permission. This one, we get to actually put God to the test. And that if we 
embark on this journey, this, which, which is actually, it's not a giving journey, it's actually a faith journey. If we embark on this faith journey by starting somewhere and committing to letting God show himself faithful along that journey, that if you, just, if you start with 1%, start with 1%, it's still a next step. And if that's where your faith's at, then that's where your faith's at. And then, and then announce to God, the test has begun. And then just see what he does. And, and, and many of you have done that. And then you've been like, ah, oh, boy, actually, we're still here. Let's try 2%. And then some of you have kept on that journey and you've hit 10. And I know some of you, and Louie and I have been on this journey. The reason we say it's a minimum is because when you get to 10, you don't have to rip the handbrake on. That, that, that the journey can continue. That we say, okay, now whew, let's try 11. A goal and a minimum. And Jesus taught this other thing. Well, he taught quite a few other things. One of the other things he taught. He, he, he actually, uh, and it's easy to miss this. He actually sets this up as both a demonstration of God being number one in our lives, not just our finances, but in our lives, but an actual practical demonstration. And he also sets this up as being a way for God to remain number one, like to, to stay in number one. Like giving actually puts God number one, shows that he's number one, but actually helps keep him there. Let me show you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But... Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the way this works is, let's say you have invested and bought some shares in a company. From that day forward, you're going to be more inclined to pay attention to how that company's doing how they're performing, how's their P&L this year, is there going to be a dividend paid to the shareholders, is my share price going up, you're going to be paying attention to that, and your next door neighbor who haven't bought shares in their company, they couldn't care less, they haven't looked, they haven't asked, they haven't checked the share performance of that company, you have, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, you'll be invested, you'll have an interest, and Jesus says this is exactly the same with giving, this is how giving works. Giving shows that God's number one, but it actually then makes it more likely that his kingdom and how his kingdom's going, how his church is growing, is actually going to be more important to us because we're invested. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, in, a, in a few minutes, uh, I'm done, and I'm going to throw to uh, a incredible story of a couple of our team uh, Reese and Jess, sharing their journey, their story, and I'll let them tell their story. But what they have essentially done is they've put God's principles for managing money and stuff into play in their life over many years, starting from a pretty dark place. They'll tell you that themselves. Um, and by the way, those of you listening to uh, us on podcast, uh, head over to our YouTube channel, type in Elevate Church Perth, and you'll see that story. I encourage you to watch that. Incredibly encouraging. But before we get to that, I want to finish just, I, I, want to, I want to teach one thing very quickly 
And, and I want to teach you something that I haven't taught since I've been leading here for the last 10 years. Um, and something that doesn't apply to all of you. So I'm not going to tell it who it applies to. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. But I actually think this applies to some of you. And, and this is why I'm going to teach it. Um, and it concerns a particular spiritual gift. Now, depending on which Bible college you went to, there's about 28 spiritual gifts. Paul, the kind of entrepreneurial leader of the early church, he wrote them in the letters to the different church. He kind of listed them out, and you can kind of smush them all together, and you'll get pretty much 28. Now, nobody has all 28 spiritual gifts. In fact, it's more likely that you'll have about three. And you might have some sort of uh, overflow into others, but you'll typically three is a pretty good number. And, 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 and one of the keys to being effective in God's kingdom is actually discovering what your kind of three-ish spiritual gifts are and then working at developing them and increasing their capacity. So let me, I'm not going to read all 23, but let me drop you into a slice of some of them that Paul wrote about to the church in Rome. And he said, we each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, which is to speak on God's behalf, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. And then he keeps going, hence the ellipsis. And the idea with the spiritual gifts, so for example here, we're all called to serve, but those with the spiritual gift of serving, when they serve, it's like it's just got this supernatural horsepower that you know you've been served by somebody with the gift of serving when they finish serving you. And you'll think, man, I could never do that. And here's the reality. That's probably true. You probably couldn't. You can still serve, but you won't be serving like they serve. It, we're all called to encourage. Nice shoes. Oh, I really like what you did there. Oh, man, the way you approached that, fantastic. That conversation we had, man, I walked away so uplifted. We're all called to encourage but those with the gift of encouragement, when they use that and encourage you, you're like, hello, heart status enlarged. You get this? And so, so then Paul talks about the gift of giving. So, oh, well, that's a relief. There's only a few of us that have to give. And the rest of us, we get, we get let off. Nothing. It's, no, this is the same principle here. We're all called to give, and yet there, there is a gift of giving that those with the gift of giving, if they recognize that gift and develop that gift, they will be able to give in supernatural ways that the lettuce and tomato givers won't be able to do. And it's not an elite thing, which, by the way, is another reason that anonymous giving is kind of cool, because no one can walk around bragging with the t-shirt, I have the gift of giving, you don't. And God loves me more and I gave more than you. And it's like, no, no, no. But if you have that gift of giving, let me just give you a little, a little hint of what that would look like for you. If you have that gift of giving, you, your family, you have. And, and it's kind of a package that, that, that includes these moving parts. Number one, you probably have an ability to earn money kind of like out of thin air, like you, you, you'll start a business and it'll be successful. You'll join a company and, and, and you get promoted 
before you even took your stuff out of the box from the last cubicle. You, you'll, it'll just, like, money will, f- will find you. <laughs> it's like, well, that sounds great. That's one piece. So that's a great piece. But if you have the gift of giving, unlike the rich man, who, by the way, at no point in his story did he think, hmm, rich person problems, too much grain. I know what I'll do. I'll give the surplus away. I'll define enough. My barns are full. That's enough. And I will give the surplus away. The person with the gift of giving, they are going to have rich person's problems that over weeks and months and years and decades Money will come to them that will be more than they need for themselves. And someone with the gift of giving who recognizes they have to have the gift of giving, they will, and I talked about this last week, they will define their own enough. They will say that we have enough and that everything that comes into their world above the enough, they will give. And, and they will give, and, and by the way, I know, I know people who give, are you all sitting down? With the gift of giving, who have journeyed, and it's been a journey, have journeyed to a point in their life where they are giving 99% away and living off the 1%. They didn't start there, but they developed this gift. And as you can imagine, when those people are operating in that gift at full capacity, God's kingdom goes further faster. So I'm just putting that out there. I'm not eyeballing anybody. I, I suspect there's a couple of you uh, with the potential to have and then therefore develop that gift. And hey, I'm happy to talk with you about what that might look like. Um, and if you can loan me a few bucks, that'd be great as well. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, anyway, hey, let, let me pray uh, as we land this series and then as i said just incredible uh privilege to hear a bit of recent jess's story and and i'm and i'm gonna pray uh let me let me give you a preview so if you want to be included in this prayer great and if you don't then put instagram up on your phone or something um i'm gonna pray for those of you that is like uh um I'm in a really dark place financially. Like, uh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for those of you that are maybe like, whoa, this is a lot to take in. I mean, compared to just what I've been used to, for whatever your backstory is. I'm going to pray for you because I honestly believe firmly that God has something great for you. And then those of you that are, that are kind of on a really healthy financial trajectory, I'm going to pray that you don't rip the handbrake on and, and your kingdom perspective continues to grow. So, hey, starting here, God, we pray for those people who, for whatever reason, he, he, today, they know that, that finances are a struggle. Whether they've accumulated uh, financial debt, whether they've had circumstances foisted on them, job loss or relationship breakdown, whatever it is, if, for those people who are in that place, um, and, and every day and every month is a struggle. God, I pray that you will continue to demonstrate your faithfulness to them and that we as a community uh, can continue to encourage them and that they would continue to educate themselves in the principles that are going to help move them towards, over time, uh, financial freedom. 
God, I pray for those of us here this morning that, you know, we just, just, just grew up in a, a Western culture and have just kind of bought into the priorities that our Western culture says we should do and what's so-called normal when it comes to money and stuff. So anything, God, that, that are in the, the lives of this particular group that is not your best, I pray you continue to shine your light on those areas and that you give them the strength and the courage to respond, that you don't want something from them, you want something for them. You want freedom and breakthrough and, and joy and peace. And then, God, those who have uh, and continue on this journey of um, honoring you with their finances and the, and, the, and the growing faith that accompanies that, God, I pray that increasingly you will, you will bless them like you said you would because they've tested you and you've proven yourself faithful so far that you'll continue to bless them and that they will continue to keep you number one and see your kingdom incredibly well resourced so that we can reach people and build people in Jesus' name. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.